The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey, Changemakers, welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Our guest today is Tony Bonney, an Australian who has an interesting background that has led him to do truly valuable change-making work in the world. He began his working life as a rock and roll agent and concert promoter, and over time found his way to becoming the strategic mind behind customer engagement for global brands. I think it's true to say that Tony has always been exploring what creates lasting, sustainable connection. And this led Tony to create Grow on Purpose. Grow helps leaders and organizations to understand what makes their best version of themselves so great and how to bring it into the experiences of their teams and customers, creating lasting differentiation. Now, I am so excited for you to hear what Tony has to say. There were so many insights for me during this conversation not just with the words that Tony uses, but his presence, his energy. And above all, you can tell he just loves what he does. So you're not just going to hear Tony, you will also feel him if you just open to the whole of his message. He's not trying to be an expert in this space, which is just so refreshing. I would urge you to clear the decks, make some space in your life so you can really focus in and see what emerges for you while listening to Tony speak about his life and work in the world. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, let's move to the conversation as I invite you in to meet Tony. Hey, Tony, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Jane, I'm fantastic today. How are you? Oh, no, I'm really good. Excited to talk to you today. I really am. Thank you, now, you as well. Now, we've just heard your professional bio and, you know, I'd like to take you beneath the surface a little bit and ask you something about the real life human that lies underneath. Who is he? <laughs> Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> well, you know, like everybody, I'm lots of things, I suppose. Um, you know, the when I think about the most important things I am, you know, I'm a, a you know, a husband and a dad, and um those things are really important to me. And um, but you know, I'm also um uh, someone that loves, you know, working well with people. Uh, you know, I love business, I really do. I love I love the concept of business and doing business. Um, I don't really call myself an entrepreneur, but it's really what I've been doing for about <laughs> the last 30 years. Um, you know, so really multifaceted. But I think I think if at the core of anything, I'm just a really interested person. I'm or I've always been really curious. Um, you know, always poking around at things, not pulling clocks apart so much, but um, you know, but more, you know, but I am interested in how things work or how people work more than anything else. And um, yeah, so so yeah, very, you know, multifaceted, absolutely, but um. But uh, curious would be probably at the very heart of it, I think, that's for sure. I love that. And curiosity, I think, is so important to us and our lives and helps us keep growing. But I have got to ask you, how on earth did you go from a rock and roll agent into the work that you're doing today? <laughs> if you could tell me, Jane, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I'd love someone to lay that out for me. Um 
Well, you know, you know, look, it's it's so easy to make a narrative post, right. isn't it? You know, it's yeah. the, that's the, that's the truth of it. Um, but it, look, it has been it has been curiosity right from the very beginning. You know, I I haven't wanted to um, tread the well worn path at any point in my life, and um, I've never been rebellious. It's never really been about oh, I'm just going to be a rebel. It's just always been about, you know, that doesn't interest me. I don't want to do it that way, you know. So I'd rather do it this way, you know. And um, there's all sorts of family stories about the, the truth of that. But, um, you know, my my dad created his career through academia, you know, um, and, you know, climbed to great heights in the commercial world through that. And my brothers are all professional, you know. My, my uh, oldest brother's a, a doctor and a, a professor at a, a university, my brother below me, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's started as an accountant, but he's now a psychotherapist, interestingly enough. And my youngest brother, you know, did a double degree in politics and economics and is now, you know, running franchises um, in a country called New Zealand down this end of the world. Um, and, but I just, all of that just didn't interest me. I, I was playing guitar and I loved playing guitar. So I was playing in rock and roll bands and I was looking for a job just to keep myself alive. Um, and I, you know, just answered this ad in the paper as you did back then, back in the dark ages, <laughs> and um, and uh, just ended up being the biggest agency in Australia, uh, representing all of the major artists here and touring all of the big bands globally. Down, a guy called Michael Gadinsky was the guy that ran the business. Um, he's a legend down here, and I ended up working there. I started rolling posters to, to mail them out, and then I became an agent over time. Um, but I think that the thing I used to really love about my work um, uh, as an agent was, you know, who are these people and they're, they're making this music and why do fans, why do fans fall in love with this band and not that mm. band? You know, what what happens? You know, what's that alchemy of things that goes on that um, that makes someone fall in love with this particular artist? You know, and it, you know, it's all kinds of things. It's the person they're with. It's the place they're at. It's the you know, it's, you know, have they been drinking? You know, I mean, it's all those sorts of things. But but it's all it's an alchemy. It's a a mix of things. And so, what's that mix of things? And I really started playing around with that. I did I did consciously as an agent then, like started putting together things that were just interesting combinations to see if different things worked, and they kind of did. And um, uh, at the end, rock and roll just had the best of me. It really is a really it's a tough industry, and it's mm. culturally terrible. So you know, I I, I sort of just had to leave but um I really had just a few skills it was starting to understand how people work being able to move quickly and and you know being able to do everything on a shoestring so I started an event company and uh, we just went as you can imagine deeper then into bringing people together and what how do you do that um and that just progressed me to you know just trying to become more sophisticated about it and just trying to understand really what was going on so you know you start diving into all kinds of mindsets, don't you? And, and um, you know, different ways of thinking about things. Conscious business became a really big influence. A guy called Fred Kaufman, who wrote um, wrote um, wrote the book basically on con conscious business. Um, Firms of Endearment, you know, was a really important book around understanding the role of purpose in bringing organisations to life. So I started to have, do things in a very purpose-led way for the organisations I, I worked for. And so I still have that event company. It's called Podium, and and it focuses on experiences that matter, you know. And uh, and my organisation now grow is around, you know, how you know what matters to you, so we can actually bring that to life. You know, what's mm. what's your version of what matters to you in the life you want to live. So, 
That's that's the that's the story as I'm telling it now, Jane. But I but I think, <laughs> I, but, but when I when I when I go into it, it does it does add up, you know. But there's there's definitely been a move from you know unconsciousness to more conscious. You know, I'd never claim I'm totally conscious, but right. but I, there, there's there's always a constant piece of work there, a constant improvement. But I, that's what it's been been about, I think. It's so interesting listening to you describe kind of your life as it unfolded for you. I just get the sense that, you know, you have been someone that's been kind of, I don't know, dancing to a different drumbeat to potentially the rest (laughs) of your family anyway, which really kind of underpins our title for our conversation today. And you mentioned it slightly there, like, what's your version? an exploration Mm. of how to find it and live it and it sounds like that's kind of the underpinning like the foundations if you like of of your own journey here I mean you've lived it first I guess thanks Jane look I I I think that's really true um you know there's there's no doubt that um that you know across my family for sure my version's entirely different (laughs) but you know it's it's easy um uh it's easy to because you you know, you're validating your own version to think that you know to, to invalidate other people's versions and I think yeah. I think the thing the, the really great thing about this mindset that you can consciously move towards what it is you're trying to create um, um, by having an idea of what that version could look like um, it really validates every every path and I mm. I think about my older brother for example Drew. He's the most compassionate man, mm-hmm. um, and you know he's he he really cut his own path. He um, at a time when all of his contemporaries were um, wanting to go into you know becoming specialists and so forth, he actually really wanted to be a GP. He wanted to be a general practitioner, and in Australia, what that means is you're the doctor. You know, you're the, right. you're, you're the town doctor, and um, and he created a specialization of that. And at um, Wollongong University, which is a very big regional university, very important place here in Australia, he now holds the the chair for general practice medicine there because he's he's built this whole idea around how being the town doctor actually is a great specialisation. It's a really new way of thinking about things. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think it's in the genes of the family to to, to continually innovate. But what, what I'm saying is, you know, I think it does. It doesn't matter at all what exactly the expression is. Mm. The, the The really key thing is how you decide to be that, and what are the building blocks towards doing that, and how do you start on that path and on that journey. And um, mm. and I think that's the that 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 gives you that sense of identity is that I'm actually making those steps towards what it is I want to be, and. There's no end point, you know, it's a constant evolution, but it's that moving in the path that you want to take just gives you a great sense of fulfillment in in my experience and, and, um, and in the experience of the people I work with. Yeah. And I want to dive into all of that with you. But before mm-hmm. we do, you said a few things there that I just really want to unpack, because mm-hmm. it seems to me that just being in a position in your life where you can even contemplate that question. Mm. kind of demands a few things to be there for you uh you know things like um do I have the freedom to do that do they have the access to actually Mm. you know educational Mm. whatever it is that that is in my path or would I would Mm. like to be in my path and so you know I'd just like to kind of come back to the moment before people are able to ask that question because it seems to me that there must be some conditions that are necessary to Mm. give people 
just the space, I think, mm. to mm. even contemplate that when we live in a world where everybody's waving at you, trying to get you to be who they think you should be, whether yeah. it's your parents, your mother, you know, that's true for so many of us. Mm. So mm. just getting here, I can just imagine, like I'm just thinking about some people, some folks I know and thinking they would actually think that this this demands courage to even ask myself that question. Yes, what do you say I, to I, that? <laughs> I, look, I, I, I agree with all of that, right? Um, so there's a few things. The, 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 the very, very first condition that occurs is dissatisfaction. Mm. You know, that that's so, you know, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm happy with myself. Right. You know, it's, it's, I think it's just that simple an expression. Um, and so, you know, it's a choice. What am I going to do about that? And there's no question that fear plays an enormous role in this. Um, uh, I might get the statistics slightly wrong, but I think we're more likely to hold on to the position that we have with, um, uh, and the conditions to improve needs need to be at least three times, convincingly three times wow. better for us to make the move. So so the fear position we have is more likely to hold us than than any kind of gain by a multiple of three. So it's really, it's a really big, it's a really big leap. Uh, I, in, you know, in my view and in my experience, it's probably best if I just talk about my experience. Mm. It's about thinking around what is it that, what is it that I am dissatisfied with and what is it that's in my means and in my control to actually make a change to, to see what I can do. And, um, I think that the, the best way of explaining this is even if you can make a, a one degree change now, you know, so say here we are at 90 degrees, you make a one degree change, you know, down here it's the tiniest thing. But over the course of time and distance, it becomes the largest thing. And I, I for me, certainly it was a slow emerging of what would be the things that would make me more who I am. So I didn't have these thoughts before coming a rock and roll agent or playing bands. I was just, you know, <laughs> just just a dumb kid, you know. But but I think but but obviously this is bubbling away, you know, yeah. like it's 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 not there. And there's all kinds of um stuff you can read around um cognitive development and so forth. But I think there's a moment in time in your life where you kind of just awareness emerges simply because of your development as a human being without doing any particular work on it. But I, I think it becomes a moment in time you go, like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that one degree. And what, you know, what's that one degree? For everyone, it's a bit different, you know. Um, but for me, it was um, I am dissatisfied with where I am in engaging with my clients. That was the very first thing. Uh, I'm the event guy and that's good. But am I really able to influence the way this organization's thinking the way that it should? Mm -hmm. And what 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 should I do? Because it's no point saying well the organisation should listen to me. You right. know, um, I did try that; <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> but, but it's but it's it's about it's about okay. Well, what do I have to do then? You know, and I started thinking about that. And I went exploring those things that I could bring to um, the you know the senior relationships I had uh, with all of the organisations we worked with, and I could start talking to those leaders about the ways in which I thought that we were spending money in crazily. Um, uh, unproductive ways in in staging things and about ideas about how we could be more productive about that and they started to listen to it because I was actually starting to pay attention to the things that were important to them and their and their personal development and how they were seen in the world but also how their organizations were seen and slowly that one percent became much much you know much much more important um 
So I think everybody's, I think everyone's got that a capability to do the 1%. It's, it's, and it doesn't kind of matter too much in what direction, to be honest, just that going, oh yeah, I did it. Like, wow, you, I can do the 1%. So I don't think it's, I really don't believe it's big heroic um, okay. activity. You know, um, I just don't think it's that. I think it's just the small little things that cumulatively over time lead you somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that. I really do. And I'm fascinated by the fact that you do this work of what's your version inside of organizational life. Because isn't there a risk that everybody's just going to get up and leave? <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell my clients that, Jane. <laughs> I, I, it, look, it's it, the post COVID. Um, organizations are actually needing this because they're needing to yeah. understand why people should stay. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And so the so the, the truth is if you, an organization needs to say we are this, you know, and then yes. look around to all its team and say, who wants to be with this? You know, and right. um it, flopping around trying to be something for everybody is definitely not going to work at the present mm -hmm. time. And um uh, I, I work all over the world and it's actually different country to country, but I know certainly in the States, you know, if you're not really, really clear about who you are as an organization and if you're a founder-led organization, the difference between you as the founder and the organization and therefore, you know, why I'm here and therefore why the organization's here and so therefore why are you with us? If you're not really clear about all that, people are just going, no, I'm, I'm going to go and find an organization that wants to, that wants me to explore who I am. You know, because there's the you know, the generational shift. You know, from from baby boomers into all the things that that, that are coming after. Yeah. You know that you know they they want to participate now in the creation of what's coming forward. And, and so, if if you're not clear about who you are, they 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 realize there won't be a clear path for growth for themselves because it, it's not just about promotions and more money. But they do want those things. But it, but they also want to explore who they are. They do want to know what their version is and how to bring that to life in your place. So if you're really clear about it, man, you're an employer of choice now. There's no yeah. no no question about that. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you brought the we element into this what's your version because, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, I really see this at an individual level. But what kept coming up for me when I think through the lens of sacred change makers and the work that our audience is all doing out there, <laughs> it's like I get this sense that you know, and your your description of the of the like one degree change, it's almost like we've been taking these one degree changes into, let's say, capitalism and, you know, putting profit on a pedestal and more, more, more and all these things. And suddenly mm -hmm. now we find ourselves in a place that perhaps we didn't intend to be. Yeah, <laughs> but sure. we're certainly yeah. here now. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know that we're really having the conversations yet so I'm going to see them in little pockets of like who do we want to be as humans and this is is this really the best that we can do because I I kind of think absolutely not it's not and so I yeah. love that you're part of this movement in a way so I'd love to get your sense of you know what do you make of these times we're living through Tony yeah so um I uh, I agree with Fred Kaufman view that uh, business is noble yeah. because there it, it's a uh, it, it's a laneway through which um uh people can grow right yeah. so you're you're a young person and you get your first job and you start earning some money uh and you know you start the basics of life start to get looked after right mm -hmm. and so you know it's all that maslow's 
law, you know, hierarchy of needs, yeah. you know, the business enables that to, to happen. I think that what occurs during that, this, though, is that the things that organisations value stop a person growing, right? Okay. So you uh, uh, power, you know, so if I can, if I get more power, I'm going to have more leverage in this organisation. So therefore, how do I get power? Mm. Do you know, it's so I get it by managing up, I get it by, you know, getting the promotions, I get it by having more money than others. Uh, that, and so I'd start to value all of those things rather than, in fact, you know, um, other ways that I might create um, capability, human connection and, um, you know, uh, bring people along with me and, and you know, um, you know, having a vision and having people participate in that. Right. Um, and um, there's an organisation called the, the Leadership Circle that explores this with the, you know, the creative mindsets, which is, you know, how do I use relationships and purpose and vision um, to to bring people with me or the reactive, the gift, they call it the gifts of the reactive. How do I actually use the things that have got me here to keep to keep going? And yeah. um, so I think I think that the, um, you know, what we're what we're thinking about here, what the change is happening at the present time is that people are starting to say, well, in fact, those things that used to get us to where we want to go are becoming of less value, mm. but they're still there in the system. So I think we're in a we're in a moment of reimagining. You know what? What does I'm you know I'm playing around at the moment with the concept of self determination because I think COVID's really put an under, it's underlined that. Right, right. You know I'm, I want to work from home. I want to work the hours I want to work. Um, I want to do the work I want to do. You know, so so self determination at its extreme is not great either because it leads to complete individualism. You know, right. so so I think everything at its extreme's got a got an issue. So how do we organize better? So how do we use the constructs we have that are business? How do we use self determination? How do we put those together into a collective commitment to do something? I think that's the work I'm doing. You know, that's the work I'm really exploring. You know, what's that collective commitment look like? How is it different from being just profit driven, but knowing that profits are actually necessary to to do the next? Mm -hmm. But what profit do we need? Do you know, that's the other side of it as well. You know, what does being a shareholder mean? You know, what what a how do I value my social profit as well as my financial profit? I think those are the things that need to be more deeply explored. And I think that's the work that we're doing together. You know, I know that's the work you're doing, Jane. You know, <laughs> I know. I was just like <laughs> nodding my head at everything you were talking about. I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. But I love the way that you describe it because it almost feels really accessible in the because underlying what you're talking about here, Tony, is something that I think, you know, I could say that some leaders of organizations have forgotten. And that is that, and I notice this quite a lot in that business and organizational life is a, is relational. It's about people, mm. right? Mm. Where it's not all these other constructs that we think it is. You know, mm. it, it actually is about the people. And without the people, you don't have a business. You don't have an organization. And yes. so... That's the underlying assumption that I hear, but the easy way you speak about it makes oh, it feel you. like, makes it feel like, so you see, look here, I am going with my hand. It feels like flow. And, and from that, I get that it's like an organic journey. It's almost like, how did we get to where we are? Because what, 
what you're saying makes so much sense. Like, how can it not be that way? But somehow this is where we find ourselves. So, and I love mm. the word reimagining because that's something we talk about quite a lot here at Sacred Changemakers mm -hmm. is reimagining business as, yes, as a lever for change, but also for the individual, for the collective, and even for the world at large. Like, mm. what are these needs that that these different, like, parts of the organization are kind of making and are they in alignment with as you said before the bigger vision for mm. what people can achieve when they come together Absolutely. and and so I'd love to know a little bit more about your work in this area and perhaps you know where do you see in your client base you know or further afield what, what are the kind of challenges that you're noticing that you know leaders are coming up against in organizational life that you know maybe they're making mistakes in some way or like are there any red flags we can look out for in our leadership yeah look I think I think there are a few actually um so the, the very first thing um uh I I find almost in every single uh, leadership group that I speak with is that they're unhappy as people Right. because the way their way of being that they need to be to be seriously successful in a large corporation is not who they want to be as a person right. and it's not who they take home that is for sure you know and um so to a t they all want out but they don't want to let go of the um, material gain right. so that tension is massive yeah. it's absolutely massive um so uh you know the very first um thing there is to um, in my view is to, for organizations to start to measure other things right and so uh, a, a really um, a really interesting um, leader of a um, a large uh, beverage business down here um, had an interesting way of coming at this for example so um, he in his uh, running his reviews of his senior leadership team ran a binary process of a one or zero against each of the metrics um, so all the normal things you know profit, productivity, you know, you know, all of those sorts of things. But he also included living the values of the organization, progressing the, the purpose of the organization. There was a range of other things there and everything was a one or a zero and then it was multiplied. Mm. So you could be absolutely killing it financially or, you know, killing it in terms of productivity and whatever. But if you're lousy on the values, you've got a zero right. because you have zero by one is zero, right? And so because he was measuring that inside the performance of each of his leaders, you know, guess what happened? Yeah. You know, the organization became values led. The purpose was in every strategic decision. Um, and the organization made a leap forward based on what they were measuring. It was a really simple thing. And the financial, your financial outcome, uh, outcome was now linked to who you were as a human being and how you brought that to life in the place. Mm. And I think it's as simple as thinking about things in this way, Do you know, if you're only going to be measured on the money you make for the organization or for the productivity gains, if you're only going to be regarded by the size of the team that you lead, guess what the things are you're going to pay attention to? You know, so so I think I think if we're going to create more human systems, we have to do it in a more humane way. Because if I'm standing with a leadership group and saying you've got to pay attention to purpose, but purpose at all isn't regarded as something important by their board of directors or by their shareholders, I'm now just creating pain. 
I'm now, I'm now just I'm now putting them in a position, almost impossible position. Is the, is the truth of it? So you've got to work. You've got to work with it from a systemic perspective to understand how to help the individual do what it is they want to do. Um, it's 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 just too hard otherwise. Uh, it's probably my my, my first um, piece. But probably hearing that the individual always comes down to the I. There, there's no doubt about it. If the if the if the individual isn't dissatisfied. You know, if they're perfectly satisfied, you're not going to do anything, right? I know within I know within ten seconds of talking to a leader as to whether there's anything to be done here or not, and that's not a that's not an arrogant position. It's just you you can see straight away, like you know, this isn't important to me. Um, so you need to let them go. You just need to let them be. To be honest, is the is the truth of it, and work with those with those leaders that are dissatisfied and ready to move. So they're probably the the key findings. I think, and I think the other thing I, I work from a systemic perspective is I don't try and boil the ocean. Right. You know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to move a whole organization, you know, it's, 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 you know, again, it's, it's, it's systemically kind of crazy, uh, and it also it doesn't allow you to learn anything. You know, so if you're working with a division or even starting with a team, you start to learn how that specific culture responds to to things, and you can start to chat. Okay, no, I need to think differently about this. We need to try this you know they're a doing culture rather than a thinking culture right. for example do you know um uh, you know so how then do i do this rather than have them thinking about this and and so you're able to learn and over time that success enables greater success and then you slowly start to see an organization make a shift um yeah. so i think they're i think they're my key things so thinking about the system all the time is just an incredibly important part of making this work yeah, I know I was working fairly recently with a woman that was coming back from maternity leave to a very senior executive position. And she turned to me and she said, I have no idea how to do this. I don't know mm. how to come back to work because mm. I'm coming back into a culture that wants me to ignore my personal life. And nice, now, I'm a, nice. now I'm a mother. Right. So it's almost like she said, I feel like a complete failure because yeah. if I'm if I con if I fulfill the conditions and the expectations of my senior executive role, I have to ignore my child. And if I want to be a great parent, I have to ignore my role. <laughs> she said, what do I do with that? And you see, that's yeah. a systemic. That's the yeah. system that yeah. is 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 causing that pain and that tension for her and so just mm. coaching the individual in that situation isn't really going to make a difference just like you're saying the pain there is too much we need to actually look at the system and the context for that so I really mm. get what you're saying and I love that you're bringing up this interplay between the individual and the collective and the mm. system and and even you know like the expectations on an individual role and then most importantly what we measure because mm. I remember mm. back in that gosh it takes me back Tony but back in the early 90s I remember thinking and I, I did have it as an insight it wasn't something that somebody gave me I was mm. working with this organization and I just thought like the penny dropped and I just thought hang on you're only doing what you're measuring you're not doing anything else like people could be dying over here but if it's not That's being right. measured we're just going to ignore it <laughs> Right. It's it's really interesting, isn't it? Really yeah. interesting. Uh, it comes look. We anyone that works in culture knows that our culture is the things that the leader does, and also the leader doesn't pay attention to. Do you know? Yeah. So, so they're both those things at the same time. So, you know. Um, so, if we're talking about consciousness, you know, and, and and I'm not a consciousness purist, you know, but I just think I just I view consciousness as a okay, like what am I what, what am I awake to? 
if you have a leader that's conscious that the things that they're not doing are in fact you know are, are, are sort of ha habits they've built or some sort of shorthand that they've created if you can even if you can help a leader start to see that you know um that the way in which they start a meeting is 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 not actually bringing everybody in with them they're just getting into you know point one start telling me what it is i should know even just by helping leaders start to see those behaviors, even someone that's not even purpose interested, you can start to see that they're interested in this idea because it does help them against the things they're being measured against. Because if I can actually, as a conscious leader, start to get my people a bit more behind me, um, liking their work a bit more, my retention numbers go up, my productivity goes up, and all of a sudden the things I am measured for start to work. And then I start to go, oh, there might actually be something in this, Do you know. So, so when I, so when I'm thinking about it from a systemic person, and I am thinking about the I, I really like to start in very, very practical ways in those sort of very technical systems. Mm -hmm. What are the ways in which your technical measurements can be helped by you being more of a person, you know? And, um, and and they start to see that. I, I was um, uh, delivering um, a, a workshop for a thing called the CEO Institute um, in Sydney uh, yesterday. And um, the the theme of the conversation was um, about handling difficult conversations. How do I handle difficult conversations? And all of them were coming in to talk about how do I handle that great big, you know, blow up conversation I've got to have with my CEO or with my team or, you know, when I'm really angry and all of those sorts of things. And none of them had really ever explored before that idea of the responsibility that they have to not get there. Mm. You know, how do I see the things that are building and, and participate in that? How do I be clear? How do I say what I'm thinking, you know, to somebody so that, you know, so that I'm being, I'm being direct with them and they know exactly where they're at with me and I'm requiring the same of them and how that clarity creates psychological safety that enables us to have a culture where the difficult conversations are just happening all the time because that's actually what moves us forward, you know, and that's what builds alignment. That, you know, lots of easy conversation creates group groupthink and actually starts to exclude people that might not be, you know, might be wanting to challenge, you know. And that realisation, just that really practical thing, you know, amongst that group of CEOs, they walked away going, I have a different view now as to, as to the role of a difficult conversation and the ways in which I'm stopping them from happening. Do you know, and and in fact, if I'm allowing those more difficult conversations to be happening all the time, and that they're respected for the role they play in the organisation, and in, in creating clarity and safety, then wow, what could I do with that? And I I think I just to clarify a difficult conversation. What I'm what I'm meaning by that is the the having that safety for me to say to you, Jane, Jane, I don't think that idea is going to work because of this experience I've had, but I'd love you to tell me how I could be wrong. You know, so so because I, I want you to challenge me, but I'm also telling you that I don't think it's going to work. So we're both really right. clear with each other, you know, and that that creates safety. You know, you can say what you need to say because, you know, if you need to hear anything from anyone, they will tell you directly what it's about. You know, yeah. so that's what, so even even in that really practical way, you get those one percent going. And I'm not talking there about creating a conscious business. I'm not talking about being <laughs> purpose led. You know, I'm actually yeah. just helping somebody create the conversations they need to create in their business. So that's how I start to influence systems and 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 try and get things moving. Yeah. And I think in many ways, that's a genius move because you're actually speaking to something there that I think, you know, quite honestly, a lot of leaders that I've met throughout my career haven't had the realization that safety is necessary for any kind of change. 
right? Because they, because they don't understand, say, for example, the psychological contract between a leader and a personal colleagues or mm. wherever, wherever mm. that relationship is. And, and they don't realize that, you know, they, they're operating potentially and maybe even perpetuating a culture of fear. Mm. And that's like the bottleneck that I see mm. in so many organizations. It's like, I can't do that. So I'm just going to repress and I'm going to get smaller. I'm going to contract away and I'm just going to do what I think I should be doing mm -hmm. because I like, there's no space for me here. I can't bring myself to work. Yes. And yes. that all stems from safety, as you're saying. So when mm. leaders understand that it's foundational, mm. like it's just mm. a small thing, but I think it makes such a, huge difference in everyday life and actually what you're describing here is the way that I think change actually happens which is one conversation at a time <laughs> yeah definitely it is yeah uh, there's no change thing that happens by by town hall no, absolutely <laughs> no it just doesn't not. work that way you know no. you, you, you can inform by town hall but you can't make the change by town hall yeah. you know that's you know that you know that um that your person sitting at the third from the back three thousand people in you know they're not they're not listening you know because right. it doesn't matter to them yet doesn't touch them yet you know so no no one no one moves until it matters to them right so you got to you got to make it matter to them it's just that it's just that simple and if it does if it doesn't matter to them they will go actually you know that's that's the truth of it because or they'll just do what they do and they won't participate so the the idea also that the whole system has has bought in it's actually not that important mm. you know it's it's have you got the momentum you know do you have what you need to make it work what's the tipping point of the organization to make that move because not everyone wants to some people do just want to turn up and do this job and take that money and do what else they want to do with their life and that's just true right. too and that's perfectly valid because it's their version that's what they want right. you know it's you know it's all you've got to meet it all where, where it's at in my, in my view do you know if everyone's drinking the kool-aid if everyone in the room is drinking the Kool-Aid, I, I know <laughs> I know that, that there's a lack of honesty happening here because they're not all drinking the Kool-Aid. They're just not. So, right. you know, so it's always better. I always find it better to have someone that's challenging in that process or in fact someone that's just disengaged because I actually know it's real. I know, I know, I know that we're in we're in a good place in terms of yeah. them saying what they need to say. Yeah, no, that's, that makes yeah. perfect sense. And so everything, so what I'm hearing is everything comes back to this, what's your version? Because well, look, Mm. otherwise there's no engagement is there that's right that's right it's the whole point of the eye you know is is so um uh you know you gift yourself to the organization you work for you know so i think in my event company i used to talk to the young you know, younger team members coming through you know we're in a hospitality setting and sometimes a guest would turn around to someone and say can you get me a drink or can you i'm needing something can you get it and they'd come well get it yourself you know <laughs> there's a bit of an australian mindset there you know so you yeah, look after yourself mate but um but, but the the truth is service is a gift you give to somebody right i am standing here in my integrity and, and my self-respect saying i'm going to give to you my time and my regard because that's what i do and that's what i that's what i would like to do and it's an honorable thing um, so you're choosing you're, you're choosing to be of service in that moment and i think when um someone walks into an organization and that they're brought to that mindset, they start to understand the ways in which they're gifting the organization who they who they are and what they're about. And they're making a conscious commitment to what that organization does and is about for the period of time they wish to be there. Right. And this is, I think this is where the self-determination bit tying into the system is is working. It's certainly working in the work that I'm undertaking. You have chosen, right? So if you've chosen, 
what are you committing to? Um, and so this is why the organization has to know its version because the person has to know what they're committing to and what, you know, what how they want to contribute to that. Um, and so, so you are you are able to bring self determination into the service of of the the system. And then at a point in time where that's you don't wish to be of service to that or it's not being of service to you anymore, you can choose to leave and take your service elsewhere. But it's really that idea of how do I stand in you know my integrity and 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 stand in my honor and say I'm gifting myself to you. The the converse around this is the leadership need to see that as service. You know, so this is you know that that um, servant leadership idea I think works perfectly with this mindset. I've got all these people that have decided to give their service to us. So how are we going to harness that goodwill and that commitment? So rather than task you, how do I engage you? You know, how do I make you part of this? And that's that's at the core, I think, of of where you get really, really great cultures, really productive cultures that really stick together. You know, and there's no, there can't be fear in that mix. It has to be safe. You know, it has to be challenging. Uh, it's got to be all of those sorts of things for it to be interesting. You know, and uh, and for people to wish to to make that commitment. Right, right. So I I I love the language you're using because. If I'm honest, it's so different to a lot of language I hear in organizational life where, oh, I've got to go to work, like I've got to do this and I've got this report due on Monday. <laughs> like there's not a, people don't naturally in some of the systems we have set up today, like understand that it's a choice. Okay. Mm. So that in itself just, I think, makes a real, like it's like you live through a different lens when you do that. So I'm just wondering about like our listeners and they're listening into this. Now you mentioned the, the issue of power before, and I'm just wondering, mm. like if somebody's listening to this and they, they have got that tension, they're dissatisfied post COVID and they're starting to reimagine what their version might be. I mean, what advice mm. do you have for them? Because they may not be in a position of power in an organization, yeah. or they may be in a position of some power, but not right at the top to actually instigate this. Like, what do you say to those people, Tony? Yeah, I think it, um, that's a that's a, a really great question. And um, I wish I had the answer. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, 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 the first the first thing is um, to be really clear about what it is that you're dissatisfied about, mm. right? So it's very easy to externalise it. Mm. You know, it's my job, you know, or it's the tasks of my job, you know, or it's my partner or whatever it is. It's really easy to externalise all of that. But it's really important for you to understand the ways in which you're contributing to that dissatisfaction. Right. And that's that, the, the first thing I would ever say to anyone that's thinking about this is, what are the ways in which you're contributing to you not feeling how you want to feel? Mm. Because that's the only thing you can control, right? right? So, so, so forget about external power. Um, if you're, if you have some level of dissatisfaction, name it and know the ways in which you're contributing to it. Mm. Uh, and then if you can't make the moves, you know, that one degree move to help yourself, don't think about trying to shift anybody else. Right. You, know, you, you have to shift yourself first. Um, you've got to integrate that. You've got to move that, and that's that. So I always suggest to someone to start slowly. Like think about, like really think about it, and because if you can't name that for yourself, <clears throat> it's going to be impossible for you to go to your boss and ask your boss to fix something that you can't name for yourself. You know, for right. example. Um, and I think that's the that's the key. But if you if you can show up to your organisation, 
And so I, I don't live in an idealized world. Not everyone can show up in their organization and start talking about the things that matter to them. That's, that's, that's just true. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least if you can be aware of that for yourself and you realize that you are there, you've made a choice to be where you are, <clears throat> guess what? You can choose differently, you know? So if you if you understand what it is that you're dissatisfied in yourself that you can control and you realize your system can't help you with that, um, then actually the other choice you make is to do something else and to take it somewhere else. We're in a wonderful position globally at the moment, in fact, where you can pretty much take your pick is the mm. truth of it because, you know, someone that's on this exploration is going to be enormously valuable to a leader somewhere else, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, but that's that's where it starts. That's where it starts in my view. Yeah, and I, yeah. I love that because, again, you've made it sound so, I'm going to say simple. I know it's not easy. We're not saying that. But there's, it's almost like you, you're you empowering people in the way you describe this. It's not like, oh, okay, you've got to follow this process A to Z and then do this and then do that and then follow this framework. It's just like, okay, let's just get down to what really matters here. Let's really work out what counts and, and what is within your control and what's not. And yeah. that to me just feels so fundamental, you know, to the way that we live as humans and part of me is kind of going, well, it's startling that we don't get that. But somehow, you know, not many of us do because we've kind of been, I don't know how I would describe it, but we've been invited into a different way of life, a different mm. type where it's almost like, and I know certainly here, I live at the moment in the Midwest, in the US, and here in the Midwest, you know, it's still really treating people like machines to get the most productivity out of them yeah. that we can and squeezing everybody, even the leadership are being squeezed. Um, mm. And then on top of that, the systems are, most of our, our states are an at-will state, meaning anybody can be fired at any time for no reason. Mm. Mm. Well, how do you, like, <clears throat> how do we overcome that? Because creating safety in, in a culture like that, which is mandated legally for you know, you can do whatever you yes. like organization makes it very difficult, I think, for people within the organization. So and I'm talking I know I know I'm talking about extremes here, but mm-hmm. this is also very alive for me at the moment, given where I'm situated. Mm. So I don't know what you'd if there's anything you would say to that. That Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's. <clears throat> it, I'll go back to what you said about it being it's a simple idea, but it's not an easy idea. And I and I, mm. I buy into that completely. But the simplicity of it's the really important thing to hang on to. Yeah. Um uh, because everything else just complicates it, right? So there are there is there are people in all kinds of circumstances all over the world, do yeah. you know, that are in um it's it's so easy, particularly from a Western context, you know, where where we're so wealthy in comparison to the rest of the world. And you know, we're in that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We're so far up the tree that we can be. <laughs> the fact that we're sitting here safely having this conversation yeah. says everything, right? Yeah. I mean, how on earth, how on earth, you know, um, could some people have the time and luxury to explore ideas like this? They they yeah. just don't, right? Yeah. So we are unbelievably fortunate that we are um, are able to explore this, and so. Uh, there's no way that I I ever have a should in my language around this because it's mm-hmm. just impossible for some people in some circumstances to do this. Um, <clears throat> if But the simplicity of the idea that I have is that wherever you are and whatever that you're doing, if you can understand who you are as you're doing that, if you, if you, can, if you can see the ways in which um, you are bringing yourself 
to life through this. So, for example, in the most humblest of roles, in the most humblest of situations, the way in which you're being of service to your family, mm. do you know, there's there's something unbelievably powerful in that, and you're you can control that. You can you know that's something you can you can participate in. But you know the idea. I'd never say that to somebody in that situation. That's because you know, it even come back, can even come back to the language around empowering. And I know it's a it's a very positive and a well intentioned term. But I had someone challenge me about this just recently, and it really woke like it really woke me up to this. Was so if you're empowering someone, suggesting that you have mm. the right to give them the power, right? Like you know, who do you think you are? <laughs> They're powered right. already, you know. Right. So you know this idea that you're going to empower somebody else. It's like well. Yeah, get over yourself is what the person said. <laughs> it was a fantastic challenge. And that's really, yeah. really it's those that's a one degree shift for me. Absolutely. You're totally right. And that that helps this thought process that I'm sharing with you now. Yeah. In fact, if if you already have the power, so how do I help you find it? You know, how do you help yourself find it? And that's the simplicity of this idea um, you know, that, that I'm tooling around with, I suppose, at the eye level. So let me just play with something with you. There's something emerging for me in this conversation that feels new and I, I don't really, it's not fully formed, but okay. um, it, it's like, what's your version, right? Starts within, I'm hearing, and it's really about kind of me finding and expressing you know, kind of from the inside out and at Sacred Change Makers, I'm beginning to talk about soul in a different way or higher self yes. or whatever. Okay, yes. so it's that it's that depth of being inside. Mm. But then what I'm also hearing is the context is also important. Oh, yes. Mm. So how that is expressed and interacts in the context within which you find yourself mm. could also, so here's, here's where I'm saying it's not fully formed is, is it that the context can either expand or contract that expression or like, like how does it resonate in the systems and the context you find yourself in? Yeah. Is yeah. what I mean? Because I can almost feel myself in this privileged way thinking, well, I just changed my context, which of course I could do. Mm. But like you're saying, I'm getting this like goosebumps when I'm realizing that's not true for everyone, of course. No, no it's right? not. It's, it's that nurture or nature thing to some degree that yeah. you're talking about there. Yeah. I, I when I when I'm trying to explore this this particularly this idea, you know, if I'm talking to a, a, a you know a leader about a system, you know, they're sitting at the top of the tree and someone on the front line sitting at a different part of the tree, and here I've got upper and lower, haven't I? Look at that yeah, straight away, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But we're all people and we're trying to do what we're trying to do. <clears throat> but the so this is so how ingrained this is, right? So we've got to you've got to, got to really work on this stuff. Um, but I, I think about it like musical notes. So there is only you know there's so many musical notes, but it's in the combination that they sound different and they do different things. So what what how do you want to combine them? You know, based on the notes that you have available to you. And then there's another way to think about it. And this is my music background. I, I love music, right? <laughs> but you know, you know, sometimes there's this great rock song that you know, you know, if you're in the car or whatever, and it soars and it's all that kind of stuff. But if you put that on while you're trying to have a romantic dinner with your partner, it just doesn't sound mm -hmm. right. But, but then the acoustic version comes on. You know, someone playing it unplugged, and it makes total sense in that context, right? So my my view is it's it's <clears throat> it's um, how you know what is the context what notes are available to me and how can i combine those 
<clears throat> that's that's how I try and sort to get people thinking about this. That that there's and tools are around you. You got to see them, and and there are there are there are frameworks to to get to that scene. And but yeah, how can you start to see those notes? Which are the tools, and then how do you want to combine them? And how loud do you want to play it? Um, depending upon where you are, and you know it's. You know, sometimes a leader should be playing something just nicely unplugged and acoustically and allowing everyone just to drift in. And sometimes they need to be banging it out, you know, um, so that everyone can sort of soar with them. It's, it's you know, it's these sorts of analogies I find start to help people, you know, get mm -hmm. connect with the ideas and what, what, the, what the possibility is, that there isn't just one thing. That's fascinating because if I look back over my own career, I've never thought of my leadership or my career in in those terms. But I remember in my 20s feeling like I needed to be louder <laughs> and really struggling in a way to find my voice. <clears throat> and yet find me now in my mid 50s and I'm my leadership is a quiet kind of calm presence. There's no mm -hmm. need now to really prove anything to anyone yeah. anymore. Oh, that's so interesting. And isn't it fascinating how mm. if I look back over my career, there's been different harmonies, different melodies that I've played through and different approaches in different mm. contexts, different tunes. And now here I am. And no doubt it'll change and continue <clears> to evolve and change. It really will. It really will. And, and the, you know, the song will live on beyond you is the truth yeah. of it, you know. So, you know, it's, <clears throat> there is sort of a tune to everybody's life in my view. And it's, <clears throat> it's you know, the soundtrack, if you like. And um, people people remember, you know, the, the Mayor Angelou thing, you know, people remember, you know, what you did. I can't remember the quote perfectly. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. The quote. <laughs> How <laughs> you I make think, them uh, feel. <clears throat> thank you so much. <clears throat> yes. That, thank you. And, um, you know, I think, you know, that's a, that's a, I know it's been used everywhere and it's on every sort of motivational calendar. And, and that's kind of a shame in some ways because it, it, it can, it can mean that the truth of it is, is lost. And, you know, if you can remember, if you're, if you're holding as primary that the relationship that you're having with this person in front of you is the thing that's got to be okay at the end of whatever this is we're doing together and how you make them feel, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm so sorry, be coughing in the middle of this, <laughs> no how, how you make them feel, um, the ways in which you have them experience being heard, for example, you know, that you're really taking in what it is that they're saying and you're able, even if you don't agree with it, you're able to actually feel why it's important to them. If you can really pay attention to those things as a leader, just as a person, mm -hmm. it really changes. It really changes how someone feels about you and, and what they want to do with you and all of those sorts of things. And and my my view is that um, you know, you know what it, you know what it going back to the music analogy you know what it sounds like right. <laughs> when right. someone when someone's not paying attention to you and, and, or, or or really seeing you or participating with you but you know you know how lyrical it is when they are you know they're doing that you know it's the birds are singing and the sun's shining and the you know all of those things are going on because because as a human being someone's just looking into you and going yeah I, I see who you are and I think I think as you get older you know I'm in my mid-50s as well um, and I wish I was in good a shape as you are. <laughs> fantastic, but I think, but I think the the you know I think the truth is you can get quieter because you start to realise these are the things. I don't need to be loud. I just need to see you. You know, yes. and how how can I help you? And how can how can that be of mutual benefit to us? Because that's okay too. Do you know, that's yeah. the that's the truth of it.
Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. You said something else that really stuck out for me. That is something that I'm really exploring with my clients right now, which is that your leadership is not just about your lifetime. If you if you choose, you can play and leave something of lasting value way beyond your own lifespan. So one of the questions that I'm kind of playing with with my clients and and I see it alive in you and your work as well is is this idea of being a good ancestor. You are you truly going to wow. leave the world a better place than than wow. how the world you came into. And of course mm. in organizational life this is so tangibly possible. Mm. 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 See? Wow. Yeah, really wow. I love that. You know, going to be a good ancestor. Thank you for that, Jane. That's, a, that's an awesome <laughs> thing. I'm going to think about that. Um, you know, I because I, um, it's it's made me think about this this particular person. Uh, he's a dear mentor of mine. His name was Hank, and he died about six years ago, seven years ago. And Hank was my dad's one of my dad's very best friends, and he was an accountant. That sort of uh, he was a, a genius with money. Right. He just was just this amazing guy. Now, he was irascible and difficult and argumentative, uh, but he was loving and he was embracing and he brought you right into everything that he had. Right. And so you had to sort of you had to sort of it's sort of almost like, you know, um, uh, you know, temple of doom you've got to dodge all the boulders coming at you and all the spears and, and eventually you're inside you know and once you're inside the tank you're inside it was you know so it wasn't always easy right um but what what i remember from hank is the love do you know i, I laugh about the other stuff because it he's got there's a few people in my mix that you know that um were important to hank and and, and to whom hank was important but mm-hmm. you know you, you we laugh about that stuff um, and that was obviously, I think that would have caused a lot of pain for a lot of people, to be honest, over the years and from Hank himself. But I think, but the, all I remember from him is the lessons I learned through the love of him wanting to share what was important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it wasn't about the soft stuff. It was about the technical stuff. But the, it was about love that made him want to make sure that I had that, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, 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 I share that story with leaders sometimes to sort of say, you, I'm not asking you to give up your technical excellence. I'm I'm asking you to utilize your technical excellence and understand that what you're doing is passing on something that's going to be of value to others, and that that is a love action. You know, that's that's a that's a there's there's no other way of putting it. That's what you're doing. And if but if the love's not there, if you're just doing it through um, through um, punishment and control and fear that's going to be a completely different thing you know so so if everyone can experience you growing them through sharing your, te- your technical excellence and using your technical skills to love that's a that's a really you don't have to change anything else you know you you can still be the financial controller yeah but what are you doing by being a financial controller what's the outcome here you know stable team business it's safe to say the hard things and where where what part of the organization do you need people to be able to say the hard things but where the money is do you know mm-hmm. so so it's i in, in my view this you know what you, what you're talking about there that idea of <clears throat> how to how to know that my legacy my you know the ancestry i'm creating is not just about this moment in time and about me mm-hmm. but the ways in which i'm building capability and memories of that capability and what it is to do that for others I think that's enormously powerful because that's a gift that someone then goes, oh, I'm going to give that to, I'm going to give that to, 
you know, and it's because it makes you feel good as well. There is a win for you straight away. You know, there's no, no doubt about that. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love everything you're saying. I really want to honor the work that you're doing because it's just incredible. And it makes me smile, Tony, knowing you're out there in the world doing this work. <laughs> well, um, you're so kind, Jane. Thank but you. I, I, do Thank want you. To, I do want to ask another question, though, which is, mm -hmm. you know, you were talking there about the financial control and the outcome. And it makes me want to ask you, like, you're doing this um, this great work in the world, right? You're reimagining business with your clients and their systems and their structures, but also allowing people to bring themselves into that system in a way that really works for them and works for the organization. What is the vision that this work is in service of for you? Mm, mm. Like, what is it about <clears throat> for you? I, you know, I the, the purpose of my organization uh, is to help you grow through your purpose. It's as simple as that because I, I don't know what the end state looks like mm. you know, for, for anybody. Um, but I do believe that if you're if you're focusing through something that's around a higher order outcome, you've got a you've got a larger chance of it being of value, um, you know, to our societal systems and things of that nature. Right. Um, but it's but it's really only in the last four or five years that 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 my organisation having a purpose is, has been separate from mine. And I, right. and I had to start to realize the ways in which, in fact, it's not, I, if it was, if everything I'm doing in my organization is about my purpose, then where's the space for others in that, you know, mm. for me, I've, um, the, the exploration I've been on is, is I think personal purpose, um, it plays a, a, a big role in this, in this conversation. Uh, and, um, the challenge I'm putting at, out at the present time is that you don't have a fixed personal purpose. You have these innate purpose drivers, these needs that you have that you're feeding consciously or unconsciously, um, and that you're either being that are either being of service to you or not. In fact, they put you to their service. It's almost like hunger. If you're not paying attention to them consciously, they're going to be getting you to feed them anyway, right? right? right. And so, if you can emerge for yourself. Um, what 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 these things are that are driving you forward and have been formed by your childhood your relationship with your parents all, all kinds of things they're formed by but if you can understand the ways in which these drivers are present you can start to understand how you can actually harness them into you know, into into creating stuff that's going to work for you. So I'm exploring some of the ways here of how to create the best version. And I think I'm taking you away from the question a little bit. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is the larger vision is, you know, if as at an individual level, I'd love it if everyone really understood why they're back, why they're doing what they're doing. Not at a Myers Briggs level, but at, right. you know, at a at a, you know, what am I feeding every day, right? So if you if 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 people could, could come to that. They could then know what it is they're negotiating with each other. Do you know, you know, why why do I love you? Why do you love me? What what is it that I'm feeding in you and you're feeding in me? And you can go and do that, you know. Um, you know, why do I want to work in this organization? It's because it's attending to these needs that I have, these purpose drivers that I have. And so my view is if you if there are more people that are more aware of what's driving them to do what they want to do and are then able to express that in different forms of purpose, um, in service of organizations that are clearly trying to work towards something that's a larger view my vision is that we're going to have a society that's least consciously trying to move somewhere else and is paying attention to its dissatisfaction and trying to do something with it um but the end point what that looks like uh, i wouldn't even 
try and shape what that's like. But I think it's better than where we are. <laughs> you know, of all the responses I expected you to give me there, that wasn't it. And what I love, <laughs> what I love about what you've just said there is you're not tethered to an outcome. You don't have no. a vision that you're, you know, like single-mindedly with your determined focus going to, you know, shape the world into. This idea that you're surrendering the outcome, but you're doing the work in the direction and allowing other people to shape it with you, I think is just unusual. It's rare. And I'm going to say it's genius. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I've been telling people I'm a genius for my whole life, Jane. <laughs> I'm telling them for you. <laughs> that's, so, no, that's, so, that's so kind. Um, oh, look, Jane, I just... You know, how can anyone hold the whole thing? You no, know, that's I the know. that's just the truth of it. And um and how dull would it be if other people didn't get to make up their their own song as well? You know, that that's the great thing. Yeah. And you know, we get into all kinds of troubles as humans when somebody does try and hold the whole thing, because straight away in my head I went to what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now. That's somebody yeah. trying to manipulate an outcome. Mm. And you know, and and that's when we have all kinds of issues. So Final question, because I'm noticing the time and I do want to honour your time here, Tony. Thank you. Um, Thank I you. could honestly, I could talk to you all day. But anyway, <laughs> um, versa, Jane. if there's anything that you'd like to share with our audience, perhaps, you know, perhaps a few words of wisdom to leave with them with, or maybe there's something that you wanted to share that we haven't got to in the conversation. What might it mm -hmm. be? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> well, few words of wisdom if you've not ever list, uh, listened to harvest by neil young i recommend that you do because it's an absolutely you know life-changing album in my view. it certainly <laughs> did for me when i was in my teens okay <laughs> um the, you know the other the other words of wisdom is to not take anything too seriously that i've said because what i'm doing is i'm exploring something that's really important to me and i'm sharing it with other people to see if it can be important to them Right. Um, but if I, you know, if you hold anything that I'm saying too closely, um, you know, that also it's not creating space for you and what you think about it and what you want to do with it. So that's the, the first thing. And and the second thing is, you know, um, I'm I've had a lot of time to sit with these ideas and work with these ideas, and they're always emerging. There is, you know, there's there's nothing there's nothing fixed here. Um, you know, you've just listened to me for twenty minutes or something, and so um, you know to try and hold this as gospel would be crazy you know you've got to just got to let, let, see how relevant it is to you and and start to play around with it and and see where it takes you is what i'd say and and the last thing is if it caused you any pain i'm really deeply sorry about that i really <laughs> am but but because because sometimes you can listen to someone that's been in the thought process and think oh my goodness i can't do that and i and it creates feelings i would say i just say to someone that it's experiencing that <clears throat> Um, I, I, it's not my intention, but that doesn't matter. The, 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 the next thing is I've had time and yeah. you haven't yet, right? And so that's the difference about where we're at. Um, um, and now is your chance, if you want to, to think about what, you know, your one degree and what that version could become. Lovely. Thank you, my friend. I have you, really Jane. enjoyed this conversation. And I know our listeners will just be kind of leaning into your messages and your compassion and your love here, Tony, because we've not just had a conversation of words here. I've actually felt your energy as you've been speaking. So thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you, Jane. Thanks for the opportunity. I really just, you know, really appreciate this chance to to, to share what I'm what I'm in the middle of. So, so kind of you. Thank you. And you're such a warm person, so engaging. I just, yeah, I just, uh, I love love spending time with you. No question about it. Thank you so thank much. You. Okay, guys. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. A big thank you to the members of Coaches Business School who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more depth, more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.